Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning and welcome to Devotions. So we dive into Romans this morning, getting started at uh, chapter one, the first seven verses. This is the letter from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart to serve the good news of God. This good news God promised long ago through his prophets in the sacred writings. It's good news about his son, who in his manhood was born of David's lineage, who as a result of his resurrection from the dead has been proved by the Holy Spirit to be the mighty Son of God. It is of Jesus Christ, our Lord, of whom I'm speaking, through whom we have received grace and an apostleship to awaken a faithful obedience for his sake amongst all the Gentiles. You are included among these Gentiles, you who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is a letter to all the beloved in Rome who belong to God, those who have been called to be dedicated to him. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul uh, introduces himself in this passage. Remember, in Rome, people don't know him. In Rome, uh, he's a controversial figure. Who knows what people think of him? Who knows what the leaders are saying about him? So he wants to set himself up and introduce himself. Remember, he actually wants to use Rome as a staging post to get to Spain. So his final goal is to build a relationship with the Roman church and make that uh, essentially a missions church as well that's going to send him and perhaps others off to Spain. So it's really important that he gets these guys set up understanding who he is. First thing, <clears throat> he calls himself a slave. That cuts two ways. Um, Paul's favourite title for Jesus is Lord. Uh, that word describes someone who has undisputed possession of a person or a thing. So it's a master and an owner. It's absolute. And Paul uh, has been called and chosen by God. He has given himself to God. He can no longer be described as a man who belongs to himself. He is the slave of Jesus. He is the possession of someone else. But the word slave also has another side to it. In the Old Testament, Slave is a regular word to, to describe the great men of God. Moses, Joshua, many of the prophets, certainly Amos and Jeremiah, use this word of themselves. We are the slaves of God. So when Paul calls himself the slave of Jesus Christ, he's laying out that he has at one, one and at the same time the obligation of a tremendous love that's been revealed to him that he has sold his soul to, but also the honour of a great office. And the great office is not apostleship and ministry. The great office is adoption as a son of God, being one of the many slaves of Jesus. He describes himself as an apostle. Um, an apostle, simply someone who is sent on a particular mission. Isaiah sums it up really well in chapter six of his book. Here I am, send me. So, the great ones again of the Old Testament. Abraham heard the call of God and was sent somewhere. Moses heard the call, was sent. The prophets, uh, 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, many others were sent frequently where they didn't even really want to go. They were sent. You know, I, I keep reflecting on Moses who needed to be threatened almost with his life before he would actually obey God. But God was saying, no, you will go. So Paul didn't think of his life in terms of what he wanted to do, his visions, his achievements, his capacities. He thought of it entirely in terms of what God intended him to do, God's power at work through him and the purposes of God. Paul is a man who has sold his soul to Christ. We're going to see that time and again throughout this thing. Third description of Paul. He is one set apart. He's been set apart to serve the good news of God. Um, Galatians, he teaches that we have a purpose that God has written over our lives before we're even born. There's a plan. No one's life is intended to be purposeless, meaningless and drifting. We arrive with something that God had in mind. Our mission is to find that and do it. And sometimes, like Paul, we find we were actually going down a path 180 degrees opposite to what God intended. Well, when we find it, we've got to turn ourselves around and walk that path. It will require everything of us. It will require a change in our understanding of ourselves. It will require a change in our lifestyles. It will require a change for some of us professionally. It's, it's big news. And Paul is taken and set apart to this call. Now, he has this inner sense. He also has remember the church at Antioch that had placed hands on him and Barnabas, and they had set them apart. Discerning the call of God on your life to service, to ministry, is something that must happen out of a sense of inner conviction. I must do this. It also must be backed up by the church, one way or another. The church has to send us uh, out to our adventures. Now, for some great ones among us, that just happened accidentally. We had so many people following us that that was the church that said, lead us, you know, and that's wonderful when that happens. For most of us, it's actually about the church getting around us and saying, no, we see that gift in you, go for it, follow it. But this, you know, double-sided thing about working out the call of God, what's in your heart, what's the church say? So God had set him apart, not for honour, but for work. And he's there to get on and do it. Now, he has a little bit of fun, I think. Now, I don't, I can't get in Paul's head a little bit. He He's the guy in the Bible who, strangely, I least relate to. Uh, and I never know whether he's got a wicked sense of humor and fun or if he's just, you know, on, on depression drugs. He bugs me. But, and I truly, I don't. I got to, I'm hoping in, in reading this slowly, I'll get to some conclusions about this. But I think Paul might be having a little bit of fun with this. He's a Pharisee, right? Pharisees are the people who are separated out. They're, they're holy. They're put aside. And Paul is saying, I've been separated out to this task. Now, as a Pharisee, a good Pharisee is so separate, even to let his garments brush against a common man or definitely a sinner, oh, that would be a bad, bad thing. For a Pharisee, the Gentiles were literally nothing more than fuel for the fires of hell. Now, the Gentiles were all the people who were not Jews. They're not us. They're them. And we got God. They don't got God. And, you know, they're just going to hell. There's nothing for it. And, um, and Paul says, I am a Pharisee. I was separated to God. 
Now I am separated to this task of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, that's ripping it up the old way really badly. That's that's sort of saying, yeah, I'm still separated, but I'm separated to bringing the Gentiles into the faith. So he's having a red hot go. The, the others who can who called themselves Pharisees would have shuddered at the thought of anybody even suggesting that, let alone giving their life to it, and let alone a guy who had sat on the Sanhedrin for crying out loud. So Paul is, um, and Paul, by the way, died a Pharisee. He was really proud of his Jewish heritage. But he knew that God had included all humanity in the orbit of the gospel, and he was going to make it happen. So he says, look, this is a really radical redefinition of who I used to be. I'm still that person, but boy, does it look different now. And a lot of us have testimony of that in our lives. We are still what God made us to be, but man, does that look different now to what it used to. The other thing Paul introduces is his gospel. He says, it's a gospel of the incarnation. We've been really bashing at that as we've been looking at John on Sunday mornings. Jesus has come truly, really, immediately, powerfully into our world. God is not watching us from a distance. God has come, taken flesh, lived our life, knows us from the inside now as well as as our creator. He has shown us what is required of us. He has shown us what a human should look like. He shows us what God looks like. This is the gospel. We don't have to guess about God anymore. We can look to Jesus. The second thing is it's a gospel of the resurrection. If Jesus had lived an exemplary life, laid out the Beatitudes and done all sorts of wonderful things and died a heroic death, he'd be a great man and we would read his books. But that ain't it. Paul says the gospel is the gospel of the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead and was attested, son of God, filled with mighty power, still coming to his people now, present. I met him. I was on the road to Damascus. I have met Jesus. He's alive. He's terrifying. He's loving. And we've all got to respond to that somehow. That's the gospel that Paul preaches. It pulses with the presence and life of Jesus. He does a lot of big thinking. But at the bottom of it all, here's a man who got knocked off his high horse. Here's a man who got filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's a man whose eyes were healed all in the first couple of days of his walk with the Lord. Powerful thing. The others, the great moral teachers, the great religious figures are dead and gone. Jesus, Paul says, is not. He lives. And now includes people who we used to think were only fit for the fires of hell into the gospel, into the kingdom of God. So closing this morning, I want to say, look for the grace of God being poured out on people everywhere. Paul had that. Paul knew it. Everyone was included. So when you see grace being given to people, when you see God working in people's lives, be ready to explain it. Be ready to just know in your mind for this person, God wants a relationship with them. God wants their forgiveness. God wants their empowerment. God wants them to walk in a new identity and a new way and to receive a God-sized future. Paul had no doubt about this. No doubt whatsoever. It's what made him good. That's where the miracles came from because he knew that for himself. Everyone you know is included in this gospel 
of the incarnation and the resurrection. So live as if you believe that and live in such a way that when people want to ask someone something about it, you've got the credibility to be there. Be ready for resurrection. Be ready for mighty power. Paul was, and he's our brother. Let's pray. Father, today we, um, we just come to you with, with our own callings. Lord, increasingly, I think many of us are becoming aware that we are not called to be saved. We are called to serve. We're called to sign up and, and go on the mission, the adventure that Jesus has given us. So, Lord, we want to pray that you will fan to a fire that sense of being sent that we carry. And, God, there may well be people watching this who, who have a vague sense of being sent but don't know where to go. Father, we want to pray that either our communities or the community they're in can get around them and give shape and form to that, show them some small starts, do some action and some reflection, and get stuff happening. Because, Lord, your command to us is still that we should go all of us should go somewhere, somehow. So we want to join our brother Paul today and say, we will go. Father, we will serve obediently. And uh, I'm a little bit taken by the idea that Paul might have been having a shot at his past life in a way that may have been fun and friendly. Certainly he didn't disrespect anyone else. But he certainly said that was then, this is now. I used to be set apart in a really funny religious way. Now I'm set apart for this gospel that pulses with life and promise. So, Father, as we look back to who we once were in the days before we knew Christ, even 10 years ago when we were in Christ, we look at it and we think, oh, wow, how much has changed. So, Lord, help us to rejoice and exult in that. Lord, what Paul said himself, if anyone wants to boast, let them boast in the Lord. Father, today we do. We want to say thank you that our lives are so different to what they were five, ten years ago. And that's on you. We love it. We give you today, Lord, for the ongoing journey and ask for strength and grace in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, folks. And um, we'll carry on in the morning. And, yeah, I was encouraging people at the debrief on Saturday morning, please do chat to each other, um, you know, while, while we're doing this. Let's build a bit of community around this as well. God bless. See you in the morning. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>